Welcome back to another episode of the Roblob Podcast. It's Kenny and Coop today, and we'll talk about the number 43, genes, and zombies. Stay tuned. Kenny Freese, I'm Coop Ledford. We have a podcast on YouTube now. So shout out to all of our uh, visual learners. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast, that's fine too. But if you want to see our faces, you can go to YouTube. Roll Blob Pod. Check us out there. Subscribe. It's the same page we do all our lives. So we've got our podcast on there. Kenny, 43 is not that big of a number. I mean, there's numbers in the thousands, the millions even. I don't know how many numbers are bigger than 43, but I do know there's only 42 less than 43. Yeah, I, I think that in the grand scheme of things, in an infant universe, 43 is like, you know, who cares? There's more than 43 states. It's not that big. There's more right. stars on the flag. 43 is not a big number. 100 100 would be a big number. 99's not. 99's, 99's a normal number. 100's a big number, yeah. Exactly. It's... I, I said it, you know, I wanted to bring this up being our first YouTube podcast. I've been told I have a really good face for radio. So this is a, this. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted it out earlier. I said, good teams win, great teams score 100, you know? Right. And it's like they're number one in the country right now, but 99 points, come on. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I'd be embarrassed. Score 99 and not get to 100. It's like, what's the point? Yeah. It'd be like having 999,000, you know what I'm trying to say. Oh, the million, the million, being a millionaire? Yeah. Be, but being $1 short. Yeah, right. Or even being $1 over. It's like you can only spend $2 and you're not a millionaire anymore. It's That's rough. Yeah, that's there's no point. It'd be like having, you know, 1,000 Twitter followers and not... 1,100, like Roll Blob Pop does. Like 1,118 or something like that. Yeah. Firmly in the 1.1K. Yeah, firmly, comfortably. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But a team that probably won't score 99 points, hopefully, is St. John's. Hopefully they don't do it against Xavier. Oh, If they they score 100 points in the Cintas, I think there's going to be a bigger – a bigger problem on our hands, but um, it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously that was one of the first game. Well, no, it wasn't one of the first games because we saw it against Oakland and Delaware, but you know, coming into Big East play, watching that game, you kind of felt like Xavier quit at a certain point. And that was obviously disappointing to see. I think Xavier's come a long way um, in what they think what, or what the team's roles are, each player's role, uh, how they're playing together as a team, all that stuff. I think they've come a long way since St. John's. But, you know, how they come back after that game, which, you know, I've been a part of some pretty bad losses in my life. 
Um, I would be, I would venture to say that I've probably been a part of a 43 point loss somewhere along the line. How you come back from that as a team really shows, you know, your toughness and your, you know, wanting to, wanting to keep playing the season. There's still so much of the season to go. And Paul Frischner tweeted out today, one game at a time. And that's kind of the mindset you have to go into this with because Xavier's firmly in the running to still be in the tournament. You know, they, most people have them in that next four out. I don't know really where they are after the UConn game, but at the end of the day, number one team in the country, you're playing them at their place, Sunday noon game, which can always be a little weird. I think everybody on paper would say that UConn's a better team than Xavier. So watching them go into that environment and get beat like that, I don't think I expected them to lose by 43, but I don't think any of us were sitting here saying like, you know, they have a legitimate chance to win the game. I I shouldn't say that. They have a legitimate chance to keep the game close and have a chance to win. That's how I would have thought about it. Yeah, exactly. I think I was expecting somewhere in the 10 points or less type of loss for Xavier. Definitely was not anticipating 43 points, but obviously it's hard to say without being there. But what do you think the message was like from Sean Miller and the rest of the coaching staff after that type of game? Like, are you going into it mad at everything or is it kind of, hey, guys, let's put this past us and look forward? Because, I mean, you can't pinpoint one individual problem when you lose by 43. It's a collection of things. It's like we said, they were doing good. We were doing bad. Right. Yeah. And I think. uh the message in, in, in the locker room after a game like that is, you know, you kind of, you're kind of walking on a razor razor's edge because if you go too hard, you know, it might, it might be the type of thing that pushes a team, you know, towards that, like the season's almost over kind of mindset. If you don't push hard enough, they don't realize how bad of a loss that is. I mean, I think they all realize it, but you know, having somebody laid out in front of them, the reality of the situation I think that you have to kind of balance those two things. And I would assume that there was definitely some tough love from Coach Miller uh, in practice in the locker room, probably on the bus ride home, in the hotel room. Or what, I don't know if they stayed, stayed the night after the game or whatever, but I mean, it would be interesting to see what his mindset was because I think that a lot of people could probably learn a lot of valuable life lessons from how he handled that game because I, you know, with how competitive competitive he is, I mean, you just know that that crushed him inside to lose like that. So just kind of how he navigates that, it would, it would be it would be interesting to see. Yeah, 100%. From a player's standpoint, I mean, you're in the grind every day. I mean, how much does it affect you if you get blown out or you lose by one? Is there really that big of a mental difference? Obviously, it could depend on how you played and everything. But right. when you look at it from a whole – is your mindset really that much different after getting blown out versus a close loss? So I think the difference would be, would come down to your personal performance, right? You know, if you, if they go out and lose by one point and Quincy's got scored 27 or Trey scored 27 or Des scored 20, whatever, whoever was the big scorer that night, I think you can look at that and be like, Hey, at least, you know, I did my part. We didn't get there in the end, you know, depends on the player's mindset. They may be thinking I should have done a little bit more. They may be thinking, you know, I, I feel like I did everything I could, whatever it is. But when you lose by 40, I don't care if somebody on our team had 40 points, you're not looking at yourself thinking, well, at least I had a good game, you know? So I think that's the big difference. 
I mean, obviously, as far as the record goes, it doesn't make a difference, but definitely for the fans or not the fans for the, for the rankings and, you know, big, you know, the, the NCAA tournament, stuff like that. I think it obviously makes a big difference, but once again, they are the number one team in the country. Right. Yeah. I do think at the end of the season, when you're comparing resumes, say it's between Xavier and someone else, which hopefully Xavier gets to that point And hopefully it's a conversation that someone has to have at some point. But when you're looking at the losses, it's not just going to be, that they lost to number one UConn twice. Anyone would do that. But if it's between, you know, a team that's been competitive in a lot of games versus a team that's lost by 43 points, I don't know. It's from a fan's perspective, it's kind of hard to see the tournament right now. And it's probably a, a recency bias saying that too. Yeah. But I mean, man. It's funny. It's funny to hear you say that because, you know, Right after the Oakland and the Delaware game, you know, people are saying, you know, no chance we're making the tournament. And then they come out and they have, they put together a good stretch of four or five games. They're playing better. And then all of a sudden people are like, okay, we can go to the tournament. And then you, you know, one game comes and they lose by 43 points. I understand it's a big loss, but just the, the ultimate highs and ultimate lows for a fan is like, I mean, when you're in the locker room, those guys, I would, I would hope that they're not feeling that way. Uh, because you kind of have to take the good, the good and the bad and just roll with it. Things happen. Uh, they're all humans, you know? So I would hope that they're not feeling that way, but it would be tough in the moment not to feel pretty low when you're just, when you're getting beat. And I mean, I would rather do it in in front of an away crowd than a home crowd, obviously, but still, I mean, you're still playing in the big East. UConn's got a crazy fan base. You're getting the brakes beat off of you. And you just, you have to finish the game. You have to, you have to try and just keep playing and play hard. And that's a really tough thing to do when you know that there's no chance you can win the game. When you're down 30 with eight minutes to go, you're not thinking like, oh, we could still come back. So you, but you have to keep trying and keep showing the coaches and the fans and your teammates and yourself even that you're going to keep going. And that's a really hard thing to do. So, you know, and it was kind of, it was kind of a, a positive thing at the end of the game. You saw, Quincy, I know that it was they were kind of garbage points or whatever, and but still to see them at least trying, you know, making making some shots at the end, still playing with some confidence, that kind of stuff. I think that it's a it's a positive sign when you're looking at it from a fan, from a fan's perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, going into this next game, you got to feel like there's a fire lit under them because they understand what can happen if they go out and lay an egg. And that, to be honest with you, there's probably four or five teams in the big East that could do that to you if you're not ready to play. Oh, a hundred percent. I even think on the flip side, I think Xavier could go out and destroy somebody if they came unprepared. But I mean, I I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter and I know you've kind of um, engaged with some of those tweets too, about the confidence in Sean Miller. I think I can speak for 99.99% of the fan base that there's no one else that, we'd rather have as the head coach than Sean Miller. But just from your relationship with him, what do you think it is about him right now that's like, yeah, obviously this team isn't what we're used to as Xavier fans. It's probably not what he's used to coaching. But what is it maybe about Sean Miller that's like, yeah, he's definitely going to push these guys to be their best, whether we make the tournament or not. And then beyond that, what 
what gives you so much confidence in Sean? Oh, I mean, just his his knowledge of the game and his ability to manage and kind of weave his way through different personalities and knowing who his players are. Also finding ways to keep them motivated when things might seem bleak like they like they do right now. But even when th- things are going well, kind of keeping them level-headed and making sure that they understand that there's more basketball to play, that job's not done, keep playing, you know, do what we do, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's – but I, I wanted to clarify one thing. I had put a, a tweet out on Twitter just about, like, you know, I understood why the guy asked the question. You know, and I think some of the fans that responded to me were saying – were thinking that I was saying, I understand why you don't think Coach Miller should be the coach. And that's not what I was saying. What I was saying was I understand from an outsider's perspective, when you're looking at this team and you don't know all of the, maybe you don't know all the problems that they had with injuries and all the new guys that are playing and things like that. I understand why those people might be thinking like maybe, maybe the Xavier fans are getting angry at Sean Miller, but I don't think that there's, I don't know of any, I don't know of any players. I don't know of any fans that I've met personally that have any doubt in coach Miller in, in the future with him and Xavier. Yeah. I, I think anyone who's tweeting that is a Dayton fan with a burner account. Or something <laughs> right. like, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's the only thing I can think of, but can we just talk about Sean Miller for a second? Is there anyone who's more professional with what they're doing than Sean Miller? Cause when we went down there to watch uh, you do the Sean Miller podcast with Adam and Paul, and obviously Sean, he's in that, media analyst like podcast mode and you can tell he is a professional with that yeah like he obviously has a career in media after coaching if that's what he wants to do and then i don't know how long it was 20 minutes later he's in full head coach mode right going nuts at practice giving it his all i mean that guy is like i don't know how he does it i don't know how you can just switch that quickly yeah, to go from, it's kind of the same thing that, and I, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, how they, on the Sean Miller podcast, how when you're being recruited by a coach, you know, it's like a real buddy-buddy relationship and like everything's, you know, all flowers and rainbows and, you know, the, like, please come here, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to the school and it's like, you know, they're still the same person. The guy that you, the guy that you fell in love with, the guy that you wanted to play for, all that, they're still the same person. But then you get there and you're like, okay, now it's time to do the job. You actually have to come perform and live up to what they think you can be. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing when I look at that because he's dealing with me, an ex-player who, you know, I didn't see him for a decade. And then I came back and I've gotten to, you know, converse with him a little bit outside of basketball, just talking to him and, um, you know, just kind of catching up a little bit. And then to do the podcast, and obviously, like you said, he's so good at that. And so you kind of feel some pressure to make sure that you don't mess up the podcast because you want it, you want it to be a good episode. And, you you know, Paul and Adam, they showed they show faith in their guests that come on. So you want to make sure you don't mess that up. And then you, you're right. You go watch him in practice, and all of a sudden it's just like he's a different person. You know, he's up and he's sitting up in the stands again, again. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, and it's like it's it, it was really cool to see. And Watching practice was awesome because it's all the same stuff. I remember all the drill. I mean, there's obviously some small differences. They don't run the same offenses. They don't run the same defenses. 
there's some different stuff, but like the the just bread and butter drills that they run, the fast break drills, the passing drills, all the different stuff. You, you know, you can just I can put myself back into that mindset. And I was sitting there talking to AB during the practice. I was like, man, we're three minutes in. I would be laying down on the ground right now. <laughs> Those dudes right. run right. in practice. Oh man, the cardio they have to go through in the off season is yeah. unreal. I mean, they're nonstop for I don't know how long it was. I lost track of time, but it was almost three hours because I, we we got down there about one o'clock, and yeah. we were sitting there with AB and Paul for like twenty minutes. They came rolling out at like one thirty, and I didn't get on the road until almost three thirty or three forty-five. So it was yeah. it was or no, I'm sorry, four thirty or four forty-five. It was a long practice. Yeah, I know I was absolutely starving and I, I was just thinking <laughs> about it. I saw I saw Adam, you know, he packed his lunch or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, next time I know what to do. Oh, but, he's a he's a pro. Oh, he is a pro. I think the only um well obviously the basketball team takes the most shots on the court at Cintas, but Adam and Paul are right there with them, man. Yeah, and I would say I would say on a game day that they probably get up more shots than anybody. No, oh, yeah, insane. I mean, nonstop. Three hours before tip off, they're they're out there just out there getting shots up, and then the managers come out and they play knock. They play like four games of knockout, and I mean they're they're getting shots up. Oh yeah, I mean, I I can tell by their jumpers that you know they've been practicing. <laughs> right, right. Paul, they both have like you know they they're streaky shooters, but they're you know they, you watch them shoot and they're shooting like you know if they shoot ten shots. 15 times they might make eight out of 10 one time and then they're going to make three out of 10 another time but you know they they have the ability to get on a little run oh yeah microwave at any point right how was it for you just getting back to centos and uh you know just stepping on the court again obviously you had me and cap cap there to uh you know humble you defensively or whatever but how cool was that just to be back on that court it was awesome i mean the just the feeling of the court, everything is, you know, because I played there for four years, obviously. And, and it, like, I know it's not the same, I don't know. It's, it's not the same court. It's, you know, it's all, it's all a little bit different, but just like the feeling and like when you dribble a ball in there, it sounds different than, than most places just because of, you know, the acoustics and everything. And that kind of stuff all just comes back to you when you're in the gym alone, or you got three or four guys in the gym that are working out and just like the way the gym sounds, and the lights being on you. And then all of a sudden you see the fans start coming in and the players are warming up. The fire's going out of the thing for, uh, for the uh, player announcements, all that stuff. Oh man, dude, it's such a, it's just, it brings all that back. And, you know, I get, I get so hyped up during games, especially when I'm at the Cintas center, because that level of competitiveness and the love for the school and the coach and just the, the passion that the guys play with and, you know, just all of the history, everything, it doesn't leave you. It, it's going to be with me forever. I'm going to be a Xavier fan until the day that I die. And I'm never going to be, I'm never not going to be passionate about it. So being able to be in the stands on or it at the game on the floor, watching these guys play and then have uh, Claude um, or Swain, I'm sorry, make such a, a ridiculous play at the end of that Georgetown game to basically seal the game. I know they had to play one more defensive possession, but like we were talking about it, it looked like he was, we were like looking right at him the way that our seats were. It was yeah. like the perfect seat for it. He was in the opposite corner, gave that little pump fake, two dribbles, dunked on that guy. And it's just like, yo, this dude's a freshman. And I, I feel like I was looking at him in his eyes when he dunked the ball. 
I like to think that we both were, you know, I think <laughs> I was looking in one eye and you were looking in the other, but right. I like to think that, you know, he noticed our presence and was like, all right, I'm going to put on a show right here. It's right. It's for the roll blob boys. Have yeah, to, you have, have to, to. the roll Bob effect. He tweeted it out. I mean, we're one and oh, whenever a uh, roll blob comes to CentOS. So I'm just saying, yeah, that's I gotta mean, be, there might be something behind that. I don't know. The streams were still, uh, little 50 50 on the streams but when we're in person it's a pretty powerful effect yeah we have that effect on people right absolutely could have been could have been liz shout out liz yeah um we'll get into a little bit more uh, actual basketball talk here in a second i just want you to tell the story if you don't mind of how you acquired a new pair of sweatpants (laughs) (laughs) it was i don't know i don't know if it was quincy hitting a three I really don't know when it happened because there was a lot of lot going on at the end of the game, but I jumped up and I like squatted down and I'm just like, ah. and you know, five ten minutes goes by and I look I like feel a little more drafty than normal, right? And I look down and I realize that my pants are ripped like from like the middle of my pants all the way to almost like halfway down my thigh, and I look over at Cap and I was like, dude, I just ripped my pants, <laughs> <laughs> so we. You know, you know, it's just one of those things where you just kind of got to just lean into it. You know, I was talking to everybody about it and it was, it was a funny moment. Then after the game, I look at Dante and I was like, man, I don't know what happened back there. I ripped my pants and uh, I need some sweatpants. So he takes me into the, takes me into the room, got myself a couple pairs of sweatpants, a polo. I got a pair of running man shorts. The rest is history. And then I threw my pants away in the Cintas Center. What a story, man. <laughs> yeah, I, man, <laughs> just watching uh post game when we're walking into the uh locker room and stuff like that, it was just <laughs> a noticeable, I don't know, eight to ten inch tear right yeah. on the thigh. Yeah. Like, man, this is hilarious. Hey, but, man, when you're when you're in that mo- when you're in that mode of celebrating and the game's tight, you don't think about stuff like that. It's a pair of jeans. Who cares? I know. You know, and I know they were uh, probably like Balmain or Amiri jeans. I know they right. weren't, you know, yeah. I, I get it. I've been in that situation um, playing Wii Golf at Ian Featherstone's house around uh, probably around Thanksgiving time. And same thing, same exact thing. I thought I was going to be brave and hit it over the water as hard as I could. Ended up costing me and cap the game or whatever. But went in a squat after I uh, fell into the water ripped my pants, just destroyed them. So I get it, man. The excitement to you. Yeah, it happens. I mean, you just got to – you take that – just roll with the punches, man. Exactly. I'm an American Eagle guy, though. I don't have the ball mains like you do. Yeah, no, I wear American tall jeans, baby. American tall jeans, right, right. Yeah, Yeah. even when you did that squat, you were probably still like 5'10". I was still pretty – yeah. I've been told that I have a tall voice, too. And – a uh, face for radio, a face for radio, a tall voice, uh, pretty cheap jeans, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Full package. I get it. Um, but Kenny, you've kind of brought up a interesting thought here. So Xavier right now, um, after the UConn loss is sitting at 10 and 10, they have a game tonight against St. John. So we'll see how that goes, but in total, they have 11 games left. If Xavier were to win all 11 games and then go on 
to win the Big East tournament. So they'd finish the regular season at 21 and 10, win the Big East tournament. How would they look seed wise? Obviously, they'd make the NCAA tournament winning the Big East. Right. But it's been a very mediocre season so far. Sometimes it does seem that hot teams are getting into the tournament over teams that have just kind of been plateau throughout the season. Right. So hypothetically speaking, hopefully it, it turns into reality. Hopefully we manifest this. Yeah, why not? Um I mean that's what I think it was Johnny Blade. He said it's a pretty it's pretty for sure that they're gonna win the rest of their game. So if the script's written, right. then we're the authors. If so, it's written, yeah. Yeah. No, so so I guess my point in bringing this up on Twitter because I thought it was a I think it's a really interesting just like thought experiment as a fan um to sit down and think like okay look how look how everything feels right now right like you're looking at this and you're saying we're probably not going to make the tournament and if something was to happen that we play the next 15 games and we win a bunch of close games kind of toss up type games and does it really change who the team is? Like at this point, a lot of people think they're not a tournament team. If they go win those games, obviously they have the resume for it, but it's still the same guys, right? Right. So that's kind of like my my thought process in it is. And then the, the the second part of this is if they were to win the last fifteen games, and obviously you have the Big East tournament there, but if you put that in the first half of the season and they start the season off fifteen and zero, not playing Purdue and Houston and all those guys they would if they played them in the second half of the season they win their first 15 games and then they have their start of this season at the end of the year I don't think they make the tournament right I agree right so it's just it's weird how it's weird how with the same group of guys just like changing around where some of those wins come from and when they come in the season how that but I really think if they were to go and win the Big East tournament win out from here, I think they're like a three or four seed in the tournament, which is insane to think about. And like, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Right. I mean, most definitely not, but it's just like, it's a 50, 50 chance. Right. But no, it's just, it's weird to think about that from a fan's perspective, because what I was talking about, these highs and lows of like, we're going to make the tournament. We're not going to make the tournament. We're going to make the tournament. We're not going to make the tournament. It's just, it kind of puts that into perspective that you have to have that even, that even keel mindset, even as a fan, because things can change so, so rapidly. And you're going to drive yourself insane if you just lose your mind at every loss. Oh yeah. Is there any sport where there's more overreaction than college basketball? I mean, maybe the NFL, I can see it where a team starts like, zero and two and everyone's writing them off being a Bengals fan. That's like been the last three years, but I mean, part of it's like the bracketology that's updated, like, seemingly every day and everything like that yeah like well and it comes from like a hundred different sources yeah so it's i don't know i i I think you're right though it's there's a lot of overreaction in college basketball and it's weird that it's like that because there's a lot of games the games are very close together you know you're you're usually waiting three or four days between games it's not like you got to wait a a whole week for every game to come so you would think that would make people less overreactive but it it makes him more overreactive because a guy has a bad game you're like all right we thought he was an nba player and now we're not making the tournament oh yeah it's, <laughs> it's crazy but um going back to the seating thing for instance creighton they went 21 and 12 last year and finished as the sixth seed so even if xavier won out 
and didn't win the Big East, I still think they make the tournament. With the bad losses to Oakland and Delaware, and you can throw in losing by 43 to UConn in that, I guess, if you want to. I'd still say they're like a seven seed probably. Well, if that happens, you know, they have to beat Creighton. They have to beat Marquette. Yeah. If just completely taking anything out of the Big East, like you said, if they if they win out, I mean, you're talking about beating, like I said, Creighton, Marquette, St. John's, Seton Hall again, Providence it, again, Providence again. Like it, the, the games they would have to win are insane, but they're all going to be really high quality wins if they're able to do it. And right. you know, they're I think the last that I saw was they're projecting them to win seven and lose four of their last eleven regular season games. So when you look at it from that perspective, to win eleven is not like insane, you know. Like they ha- they can they can play with these teams. Um, they they showed that they can play with UConn, and now I've, UConn had a player that wasn't playing when we played him the first time, right? Right, Klingon, yeah. yeah. So it's I mean I understand all of that stuff, but at the end of the day, these are eighteen to you know twenty seven year old kids, right. I love that. I love that 27's in there now because now, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm college age. Right. No, but but for real, like 18 to 22 on average, that's like right. maybe 23, but they're just kids that are doing their best to be really good basketball players, and you know they a lot of them treat it like a professional game these days. It's it's become a lot more of a professional game. College basketball has, but at the end of the day, they're just kids. They can go out and they can have they can go on hot streaks for a month and a half or two months, three months. They can they can finish the season in a way that they didn't start the season. Um, so it's just uh, I'm excited to keep watching because I think that the team has shown a lot of promise over the last month, month and a half. Um, even though there have been some bad losses in there, there's some been some really positive points as well. Oh yeah, and I think just from a fan's perspective, there's so much to watch. Just the development of all the players and everything like that, looking forward to kind of what you're going to be working with for probably the next couple of years. You'll have obviously Quincy not coming back sucks, but you know, Davion will be back. Des will be back. A lot of the Euro guys will be back too. So just having that core group of players, you can watch grow Trey green, another guy, of course. Um, So that's going to be, that is going to be obviously the main storyline, right? Over the next, three years, let's say until uh, next two years when Dez is a senior. Right. Um, that's going to be the main story. I mean, who knows? Maybe Dez comes out next year and just goes nuts, pulls a Colby Jones on us and goes to the NBA. I don't know. But just like watching this team progress in ju- not just them as individuals, but as a team, like who sticks with the team? Who's going to be here in two years? I, I, nobody knows the answer to that question. Obviously, Nemo and McKnight won't be. Um, but then you have you have Dez, you have Trey, who's got two more years of experience. Swain, that's got two more years of experience. I mean, uh, it, it, I, it just seems like, I mean, not, let's not even talk about Lazar because I've already said what I think about Lazar is that when you have these guys that are that are playing in Europe, for the most part, you don't see them until they're ready to be seen. He came out of Europe a lot younger than most guys do. I know that you have your phenom guys. Giannis comes over at 17, is playing the NBA, whatever. Like, I understand that. Those are one percenters. That's not something that you normally look at. But a lot of, most of these guys, these European guys, they will go and they'll play in feeder systems in whatever country they're from. And then they'll go play for like 
a feeder system for a EuroLeague team, and then they'll either play one year in EuroLeague and go to the NBA, or an NBA team will see the potential and just groom them up. So it's like he came over, and in a way it's like pretty courageous thing to do because he's putting himself out there, coming and playing in one of the best, if not the best conferences in college basketball. So to see him do that and kind of have to progress here, I think that it will be good for him in the long run as long as he sticks with it. Oh, yeah. I I think it's important just to, not to give up on any individual player this early, especially with just this team. It's not just that the players knew, it's the whole team's knew. So, I mean, we're, what, three months into the season, four months into the season? Like, we're four months into this team being – together completely it took until i don't know uh probably september october for the roster to be completed so it's still like there's still growing pains like it's just going to take some time unfortunately but well not to mention not to mention the fact that you had you talk about all these players and then you know there's the potential that next year you have Fremantle and hunter coming back shout out to hunter fan club but I'm t- like that would be I'm t- watching Jerome Hunter practice, man. Like, I know that got me pumped up, and I'm I, we were talking about it during the practice, like the way that he was practicing. Obviously, he doesn't have his lungs yet because he was, you know, he was out for so long. He's got to get that back. But um, man, just watching him out there, he was he was playing on the perimeter a little bit more. He looked like he looked good, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Next year is going to be exciting, man. Once those two are back and yeah. the rest of the rosters assembled around those guys. The thing about Jerome is that he can guard like probably two through five. Yeah. Like he's, he is a versatile defender and with the, just the toughness and everything he brings down low on offense, Fremantle coming back would be, you know, would be huge. I, I don't, I don't know Fremantle well. I haven't gotten to see him play a ton. Cause obviously, you know, last year was my first year really back watching and he got hurt and then he hasn't, he wasn't practicing and all that stuff. Uh, you know, he's just, he's kind of doing his own recovery type stuff, but um, you know, it's just exciting to see him coming back. And if they do come back next year, this is going to be a scary team, man. And imagine if Quincy was coming back with all of them too. Oh man. I'm just really hoping that Trey kind of steps into that just sniper role, able to shoot the ball from anywhere and really get his shots up. I think the biggest thing with Trey right now is going to be, you know, can he defend? He's small. He's a smaller guy which is not necessarily – it's not a death sentence by any means. He just needs to be – he's got to be the toughest guy on the court. Yeah. I think he can be. I mean, we've seen it. And yeah. Small oh, I, no, I agree. I, I definitely think that we've seen it. I'm not discounting his defense. I'm just saying that's going to be his hurdle because he can clearly score. Yeah, yeah I agree. But just imagine them introducing Zach Fremantle and Jerome Hunter in the starting lineup next year, how crazy Sintas is going to go. Yeah, and but that's the other thing too. It's like, okay, so they come back, then you have Lazar, you got Nemo, and you got um, Kachi, Abu. I mean, like, it's a lot of big men, dude. Like, that's that's why I'm saying I feel like you're probably. I don't know who who it would be. I'm I'm not. I wouldn't even be willing to speculate, but I would have to think that somebody there in their mind is thinking, you know, I might need to find a new home. Oh, yeah, and that's just the nature of college basketball. It, it could be even if uh, Hunter and Fremantle weren't coming back. I mean, the transfer portal is just – it's its own beast right now. You can't – Yeah, can't, and, but but the thing is the transfer portal, I, in my opinion, shouldn't be looked at as like 
we're going to build our team this way. It should be like, we're going to plug this guy in to an already built foundation. He's going to make us better, which is exactly what happened with Sule. Like that was like, that's like the perfect example of that. And he came in and was just obviously like, I think everybody knew he was going to be good, but I don't know how many people outside of Xavier fans would have looked at it and said, he's going to have that type of year. They're going to go to the sweet 16. And I mean, obviously Nunji was a big part of that. Like there was a Colby. I mean, it's just their, their team was completely different last year. They had a lot of talent, Um, but it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, we're talking about Trey and I think I, I have a lot of faith in Trey, but he's a point guard. And, you know, we like that two man, because McKnight's playing the point guard too. Dez is kind of playing a little bit of point guard. So it's like one of them has to either move to the two or they're going to go out and get a two or they're going to get a three. I don't know. It, I don't know what they're going to do. But just all these young guys finding finding ways to just go to the transfer portal and find people to complement what they already have as these guys grow. I'm telling you, you're looking at a team that's going to be a top ten in the country team within the next two to three years. Oh, I agree completely, and I'm I'm ready for it, man. Yeah. The streams are going to be a lot more fun whenever yeah. they got a number next to their name. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny, well, when Xavier's ranked, we're ranked. You know. Yeah, that's true. We can maybe no. we can start doing that. Yeah, we yeah. will. I mean, on the stream, like if we're number one in the country, we'll be number one roll blob pot. It's like. Easy. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully we can be we can get a seed of some sort for the roll blob pod uh come march right. so we'll, we'll, we'll work on that for sure yep. you know what's going to be really cool though kenny is once this team wins their next 11 games wins the big east tournament right. makes the ncaa tournament mm-hmm. goes to the final four wins a national championship right. what'd be really cool to have is a basketball signed by every single player yeah. on that team yeah, and I, mean, I don't even what would that even look like you know it's in my closet right now very oh, okay. safe it's okay. in a safe no one knows the com- combination not even me okay. uh, so it's very safe yeah are you just gonna um, mail are you just gonna mail the safe yeah the winner or are you gonna break well, it open well there's a there's like just a key that unlocks it oh, okay so there's been, there is no combination got it well there is but it's just for looks yeah got it. um but that basketball you still have a day to enter it. If you're interested in that basketball, if it's something that you think you might want, go to the Roll Blob Pod Twitter, follow us, retweet us, and then you're entered to win. It's just like that. Uh, February 1st, we'll be doing the giveaway. And uh, yeah, good luck. You know, maybe I win it. Maybe Kenny yeah. wins. Right. What's but the, what, what are the entries up to now? Last I saw it was like 330 something. That's a great question. Let's check that out. We are at 325. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. Your chances aren't bad. One of 325 for a signed basketball? Like, come on. It's 50-50. You win or lose. Essentially, yeah. You either win or you lose. And you don't really lose because now you're following Roll Blob Pod and we'll, we Put out cool stuff like this. I mean, I'm hoping I'm hoping to make this a yearly tradition with uh, with the the basketball. We get a b- basketball signed, send it out to one of our amazing fans. Maybe put one up right here on my wall or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. We'll we'll work it out. There'll be more giveaways in the future. But I mean, if it, I win if I win this giveaway, it, it's going to be in all the streams. So because oh, I did yeah. I did enter twelve thirteen times. 
Oh, with your burner accounts? No, no, no. I just kept re- kept quote tweeting it so that my name's in there a lot. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'll, uh, I'll no, alert but, you. Uh, yeah. No, but so just, just so people are clear, we are going to go through, we're going to take, everybody will be entered one time. Um, and you know, me, Cap and Coop are not going to be entered to win it. Um, but, uh, right. it's, um, it's going to be, a, I, I'm excited for the giveaway. We're going to go live and do something on Twitter. I think, um, probably I would guess nighttime of the, of February 1st, we'll get that, get that out there and then probably have it mailed out once Coop's willing to, to separate with it in 10, 15 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, depends how the rest of the season goes. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> If they win, if they win, if they, you won't mess, you're not going to send it out until they lose again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, um, so I think, are we, are we going mailbag now? I think we're going mailbag. Yeah. Right. So, um, our first mailbag question was posted in our discord mm-hmm. and it comes from our good friend, AK Muskie. He asked, um, has your, sports loyalty ever been tested with any of your favorite sports team he mentioned whenever xavier was playing michigan uh back in 2015 he's a fan unfortunately he's a michigan fan Mm. but he did root for xavier um he also mentioned being a lions fan when they played uh matthew stafford just uh last week in the nfl playoffs uh kenny has there ever been a time for you where maybe you have two teams you really like and you have to pick a favorite never never, never. Even. the vikings the muskies notre dame football and that's it there, i mean there's no there's no like where, where's the crossover you know what i mean like maybe yeah. if maybe when if xavier ever has like a you know top 25 football program It'll be that. That's when my loyalty will be twi- tested. Xavier Notre Dame, because you know they're going to play each other. Oh yeah, I mean they're they'll. There's a good chance they're both independent teams. Right. I mean, and we may get a chance to see that uh, via NCAA 2014 here in the summertime. Oh, eyeballs emoji. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I don't really have anything quite like that, uh, AK Muskie, but I would say the closest thing is. Um, I'm a big Reds fan, and whenever I was probably in, like, junior high, uh, a family friend of mine was a pitcher for the New York Mets, and he was pitching against the Reds, and I didn't really know what to do. I was I root, rooted for the Mets when he was on the team, um, but the Reds were always first. So it's kind of tough because it's like, well, I don't want him to just get absolutely torched by the Reds but I also don't want the Reds to just lose. So it was tough. I ended up just choosing for his success and hoping like the blue, uh, the bullpen blew it or something like that. I don't remember the result of the game, um, but really that's the only time it's been like more of an individual um, alliance, I guess, but that's all I got. Yeah. I wanted to, I, I know it wasn't a question from our mailbag, but it was something that I, saw on discord um father b is retiring and i don't know if you ever met father b coop i have not he is uh the guy is just like the happy the happiest most positive best dude ever he was around he's been around xavier for i mean forever 
like I mean a really really long time and he just retired and I saw something on Twitter somebody had said that they should do Xavier jerseys and instead of having their just like as an homage to him do a Xavier jersey and on the back instead of having their names just have it say Saint because they that's what he called everybody he called everybody Saint because he didn't remember anybody's name because I mean you know it's 3,000 kids that he talked that he's walking through campus talking to so he would just call everybody Saint and I think that would be an incredible idea especially for somebody that gave so much to Xavier and I don't think they'll ever actually do it but I just thought it was a really cool idea that I saw on Twitter I like that idea. That yeah, yeah like, that'd be really cool, actually. Even if right. they just did something like you know, on the chest or something that just said "Saint" or just just something to just you know show the show appreciation for somebody that gave you know literally everything. Yeah, a little patch sewn on something, or something like that. Something, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of awesome, we have some mailbag questions from our awesome friend Ian Featherstone. Ooh. So. He never misses with these mailbag questions. I mean, we put him on the spot. We did a live pod at CentOS uh, for the Georgetown game. He walked into the barrack, ski goggles on and everything, and said, hey, how about some live mailbag? And he said, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, look Keith, look Keith Jackson right in the face and said, 5, 15, 20. Yeah. Beers, hot dogs, flights of stairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that dude, he doesn't miss. Does yeah. not miss. Um Speaking of hot dogs, Kenny, that leads us to this question. Rank the following. There's five. So hot dog, beer brat, cheddar brat, Italian sausage, and German bratwurst with sauerkraut. Man. Um, So I think I'm going to go, just because of my experience in Germany, you know, just going around to their markets and stuff. I think I'm going German bratwurst with sauerkraut because I also do love sauerkraut. That's your and then I'm one. Yeah, and then I'm going – I know that he's probably not thinking about it like this, but I'm going with Italian sausage on, like, pizza. I think that's really good. I know it's it's different, but I like it a lot. Um, I mean, hot dog unfor- – I love hot dogs, but unfortunately it's number five. I mean, I, I agree. And then I think I'm going uh, cheddar brat, beer brat, two, three. Okay, gotcha. I would say uh, I'm not a huge sauerkraut guy, so I'm just going to put that on the side. Like, I'll have a, a strand or two on New Year's, and that's about it. Right. Um, but I'm going hot dog five still. It just can, I like hot dogs, but comparative to the other options, it just kind of, yeah, it's, it's not doing it for me. So, what if he would have said Skyline Chili Hot Dog? Oh, uh, that's number one. Yeah. All right. I mean, I got to say, but, he, but he didn't, but he didn't. So. He didn't. He just said hot dog. Yeah. So, um, you know, they make those hot dog vacuums now, too. You're talking about Joey Chestnut? I'm talking about Tim Robinson <laughs> with his invention on I think you should leave. Yeah, you can't skip lunch, but hot dogs number five. Number four, I'm, I'm going to go with the German bratwurst. Number three, I think I'm going to go beer brat. Number two, cheddar. Number one, Italian sausage. Yeah, we have an ITAM festival around here, and they serve them on those like big um, Italian um, hoagie rolls, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real good. Keep the, yeah. the oh yeah, man. I'm thinking about it now. I'm doing. Yeah. A, I'm I'm doing a, a twenty four or twenty four fasting thing. I can only eat four hours a day, so I'm like hungry oh. right now. 
Yeah, that's tough. When he texted me these mailbag questions at 4.11 p.m., mm -hmm. I immediately was starving. Nice. Because I, I just started thinking about having some beer broads and stuff. Yeah. So I'm surprised you didn't have one on stream, honestly. You know, I I should have. If I hey, you owe me some Chinese sausage, by the way. I do, I do. Well, I did send you the NFT. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah, Chinese I keep forgetting sausage. about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. basically the same thing. Yeah, it it is. So uh, first in NIT, Jesus. NFT I've ever had. So yeah. I appreciate it. Okay, well, here's a good question, too. You get hot dogs at baseball games, so it's a perfect segue. What position would you play in both baseball and football? Kenny, I know the football answer. Yeah. Um, baseball, I was always exclusively first base. Got a long. Oh, good. Yep. Actually, sorry. Left hand. Yeah. It's been a long time since I played baseball. But I did enjoy playing baseball. I like watching baseball at the stadium if you put it on tv i'll fall asleep okay fair enough now okay did you have any nicknames when you were playing baseball by chance no okay because me and cap were just talking about this on saturday it always seems like the kid playing first base and like i'm talking little league baseball it's usually the he's usually on the bigger side but maybe kind of short sometimes and it's never a normal name it's like oh yeah we just call him dirt or <laughs> like something like that and he's very uh, unathletic he barely can catch yeah. but they put him there because he doesn't have to run much you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah um he's like sounds blowing, right blowing snot bubbles or something just i will say there. i will say i was when i played baseball you know i was about a foot taller than everybody else so you know kids had a lot bigger funnel to throw to to throw the ball to me so that's why they put me there that uh, makes sense i will say i was slow though i mean i would there was no home run fences and i would just i mean i was so much bigger and stronger than the other kids just like you know just genetics you know like nothing i actually did i was like nine ten years old right but i would be we would be playing and i would, like they would pitch the ball to me and you know you're using those metal bats and so you're just cranking these things just like I broke a windshield in a parking lot one time, didn't score a run. Like oh they, the guy, I, I got to like third base. No, no. I got to like third base. The guy just ran it down, threw it in. I was so slow. There's nothing I could do about it. Oh man. You like, you crush the windshield of like a, a Buick Enclave or something. And someone has to go out there, reach their hand through it, pick it up from the. I think they went, I think they actually went and got the keys from their parents, unlocked the car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then by the time they got the ball, probably threw it four or five times. I was like oh, just so. round in third. Yeah. Just like. Hold, hold, hold. <laughs> yeah. Bang, bang, play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And then football's tight end. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But if you stuck I mean, with that. Look at, look at these yeah. mitts, man. Like my palms are the size of most people's hands. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not to brag, but. I mean, it, you stick with tight end. I don't know, man. You could be dating like Dua Lipa or Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, probably not Taylor Swift. She's taken, but my, we'll go Miley Cyrus. That's your girl. There you go. Yeah. The USA. That's yeah. her, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could be doing that. Um, I came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a banger. Yeah, it is a banger. Yeah, I would. Um, and then 
football uh, for me, this sound this is going to be like the whitest thing I've ever said. But whenever I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, I always thought place kicker would be like kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It's not. I thought, cool, I thought you were going to say place holder. Oh, like the extra point holder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if that was like the only thing you had to do is you're not like the backup quarterback or the punter or something like I could probably handle that, but I don't know. I feel like maybe, um, I mean the most accessible position on, on any football team, I feel like is long snapper. Oh yeah. Cause they, you know, they, they, I mean, they have to, they, don't get me wrong. They have to be really good at what they do but they have one function and they're not even, they're not even really allowed to get hit anymore. I mean, they're snapping the ball and they're, they're popping up and they're, you have to, you have to tackle and all that stuff. But like, when are they really getting tackles? You know, they're, yeah. by the time they even look up, the ball's 50 feet away from them. Yeah. That's why like the starting center will be like, oh yeah, he's on his last leg. He's probably going to retire soon. He's 26. And then the long snapper is like, here comes so-and-so. It's always like a really long last name. It's like eight syllables. And they're yeah. like, he's 57. Yeah. Well, we were just talking to AB about that. He's got a buddy that, that was right. a long yeah. snapper for like 17 years in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> like he's Tom Brady. He's the Tom Brady of long snappers. Yeah. I mean, if you perfect it, I mean, that's that might be the best job in America. But behind maybe backup quarterback, long snapper might be it. Did you watch the NFL this year? I did, yeah, yeah. Backup quarterback was a challenging position this year. Yeah, even third that, string quarterback was was a tough position. Yeah, you know that better than anybody. Yeah, but fourth fourth string even if you want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Ian, to answer the rest of the question in baseball, um, my favorite position to play was second base, but I always got stuck in center field. I was blessed with speed. I didn't like playing center field, but that's where they made me do it. Um, so I was good at it, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, well, let's see. Uh, next question. Person you would most like to, A, get dinner with, B, drink or smoke with, C, have as a roommate for a year. So it's three different people. Um, and the drink or smoke thing like just use your imagination we'll just we'll just call it drink with right Ooh, i think so the first one is getting dinner with them who are you picking getting dinner i'm gonna say and that's that's honestly the hardest one because like i agree um i'm gonna skip that one for now i'm gonna say drink with i'm going with shane gillis that's an easy one for me oh perfect answer be a roommate with for a year. I'm I'm saying probably like, man, there's a couple of different people that come to my mind, but I feel like Chris Pratt would be cool as shit. Okay, I could hang yeah. out. I feel like I could hang out with Chris Pratt pretty uh, pretty easily. Um, get dinner with. I, you know, actually, I'm gonna go to like I'm gonna go to my uh, my video game, you know, YouTube watching type thing. I think I'm gonna go with Tim the Tatman. I mean, you've probably never heard of him. Most of our viewers probably haven't heard of him. He's a huge video game streamer. Um, and he seems like a really, he seems like a cool dude to, you know, grab a beer with, dinner with, something like that. I feel like it would be cool to meet him. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I think uh, getting dinner with, I think I'm picking Theo Vaughn for this one. Just okay. like a, 
have a nice hour long dinner or something and just uh see what he says it'd yeah, be just right. pure entertainment so yeah, it's a good one going theo vaughn for that uh to drink with i'm taking Jameis winston Jameis winston is like the most unintentionally funny person of all time yeah. i don't know if he knows he's funny or not like he plays quarterback but man he he's so funny okay. like yeah i think just being just i don't know in a different different universe with Jameis winston would be one of the best nights of my life if not the best night of my life probably I can see and that. i don't want to take him to dinner or anything like that because like I don't know. He doesn't always pay for his food, so that, I don't want that to true? that tab. Yeah, he stole crab legs in uh in college. So uh, there was this. Uh, you know, I did see that. Did have you ever seen like the warehouse games on YouTube with like uh, John Boy Media? Mm, I'm not. They're probably. big, big baseball guys. Nikki Cass, all those dudes. Okay. He, uh, they were, they just did like a football Jeopardy thing, and one of the questions was like, "Who is the who's the quarterback drafted in?" whatever year and is a huge fan of lobster and crab legs and uh, the answer was Jameis winston <laughs> there was the funniest thing i saw from Jameis winston was recent I, well i saw it recently um for some reason jim harbaugh was talking to him and he said have had you ever been disciplined in high school and college and he mentioned the crab legs thing whatever but he's like yeah in high school um i got in trouble because uh my coach was crying and I laughed at him and he's like, I thought it was funny that my coach was crying and I don't what, know. A, what a crazy thing to bring up. Even if it's like, I know, it, I mean, obviously it's true, but like what a yeah. weird thing to bring up just like pouring salt in your coach's wound. I mean, people know who that is. Yeah. I don't know. It, <laughs> it was just, it was really funny. So yeah, I'm trying to hang out with James Winston. Um, and then to, uh, have as a roommate for a year. I'm choosing Dua Lipa. I just would like to live with her for a year. Um, I've been seeing her on some TikToks and stuff like that. I just think she has all the qualities I look for in a roommate. Okay. And I think if she saw me like doing the dishes here and there, mowing the grass, uh, you know, cutting down some trees, cutting down some trees, you know, just real masculine stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Washing the car outside, right. she might be, you know, maybe fall in love with me so I, i'd like to take my chances okay i, I, I mean yeah. I, can, I can respect it i'm surprised you yeah. didn't say ariana grande she's the one that made you tiktok famous that was uh what's the other one's name the other oh, one no. you, selena gomez selena gomez yeah 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 you mean made roll blob tiktok famous right 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 roll blob big selena gomez fans yep. ever um, if we ever if we ever put anything on tiktok yeah there's some stuff on there there's still I don't some... have I don't have TikTok. I got to come clean. So you know if that's if it's on there, I'm gonna have to see it on Instagram. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a company man, Kenny. So someone's got to have the TikTok. Right. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Um, last question: Zombie apocalypse occurs. What's your plan, and where are you going? So a he probably doesn't know that it's the plan, but uh, pitcher. For I don't know who I, he he signed with Detroit I want to say you know Andrew Trafin he's a, he's that. a he's a pitcher he's been all over the all over the league he pitched with the A's um, 
he was in Chicago um, with the Cubs, and then he was in Detroit. I, I can't remember. Diamondbacks he played with for a little bit. He's been in the league for a while now. Um, but he's got a he's got a sick farm, dude. And like, that's where I'm going. He's like 25, 30 minutes from my house. Okay. I hear the, I hear the news. I'm packing up the car. I got the minivan that's got the electric motor. So I'm going to bring, that'll be like, I'll bring that in the Acadia. You know, we'll bring something to the, to the table. Um, you know, I'll be a big worker. I'll do a lot in the fields and uh, protection, stuff like that. That's what I can offer to, to bring five, five mouths to feed with me, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's where I'm going. I don't think he knows that's the plan, but I'm just showing up. Okay. I mean, his, his wife is best friends with my sister. That helps. So, I mean, I feel like it would be at least it would be at least difficult for him to turn me away. During a time like that, who are you turning away? You know, that'd be like. A, He's a, a pretty sp- pragmatic guy. I feel like if a stranger came up to him, he would be like, you got you got 48 hours to figure out what you're doing. Well, I mean, <laughs> you have a lot to offer. I mean, I'm a big like I feel like I could be a brute, you know, like right. I've had conversations with my wife about it. If I was alive in like. I mean, when was the mafia a thing? Like the twenties? Yeah, I want to say probably twenties, thirties, around yeah. there. I mean, I feel like I would have been like real big mafia guy, made man. Probably yeah. wouldn't live live past thirty, or I'd be in jail for most of my life. And I think, right. I think that would that would have just been what I kind of got groomed to be. You're seven foot. They call me tiny, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, shorty, yeah. shorty, and you know, just walking around with a Tommy gun, trench coat, all that. Oh yeah, look like the St. John's basketball coach something like that um yeah where am i going man i might have to go somewhere after saying you're in a big city dude you're rough you're you're, i mean but you're outside of it though so you would have you would have a little bit of warning yeah yeah i'm out here um it's still too close for comfort i'd say um huh man i might just stay home and you know just pray yeah ride it out Uh, maybe at some point um, you get a, I'm, I'm assuming somebody like you, your charisma, you probably get a following. You yeah. go, you go in to Norwood, right? Take over the Cintas center. I think that would be a nice place for you. You could radio me. We'll kind of, we'll have a little ally uh, partnership, uh, Northern and Southern Ohio. Um, just kind of figure out how we can synergize together and we'll just, we'll maybe become like, we'll become the com- conglomerate of Ohio start branching out, take over the United States, all that. Yeah, I'm down for that. The only other thing I was thinking about, um, I saw this movie once uh, actually with Ian, don't remember the, the name of it at all, but there's like, has something to do with AI, not Alan Iverson, but the artificial intelligence stuff. And uh, there's like half robot, half human people. And the, human falls in love with like an AI bot, but they don't know each other are different at the time or something like that. The only thing I'm thinking of that might work is with my uh, charisma, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. what I do is I talk to like a zombie girl oh. and she falls in love with me. And then she kind of like protects me, but she's like, Oh no, I, I killed him a while back, but she just comes home to me every night, right. brings me food gets daddy to Starbucks, you know, stuff like that. Right. Well, do you think it's more, more of a threat that it's zombies or, I mean, 
Elon Musk just brought out Neuralink, right? Right. Zombies or cyborgs? What 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 comes first? I don't know which one comes first, but okay. I know okay. I, okay. I know I'm the most afraid of a cyborg. Right. Zombies are mindless. You just yeah. put a fence between you, you know. Yeah. Unless they're the ones from World War Z. Those ones okay. are different. I just feel like a zombie comes up, they're like drooling, and I just point one way and they look and then I'm walk past them. Out. Just like like a tennis ball, throw it. Yeah. They're, they're just wondering, then you're gone. Like where how did he do that? Or I do for all the YouTube watchers, I do this little thing yeah. and then they're like, Oh wow, I, can't, yeah. I don't know how he did that. They're right. confused. Cyborg, I feel like he they already know my thoughts before I think. Right. And they probably have guns. They probably do. But yeah, I think we've uh, I think we've done a podcast. We've talked about it all from basketball to cyborgs. Um, any closing thoughts, Kenneth? I got nothing, man. I, the, the only thing I got for you is stay blobbing.